Does your life in Christ give you strength? Does his love comfort you? Do we share together in the spirit? Do you have mercy and kindness? If so, make me very happy by having the same thoughts, sharing the same love and having one mind and purpose. When you do things, do not let selfishness or pride be your guide. Instead, be humble and give more honor to others than to yourselves. Do not be interested only in your own life, but be interested in the lives of others. In your lives, you must think and act like Christ Jesus. Christ himself was like God in everything, but he did not think that being equal with God was something to be used for his own benefit. But he gave up his place with God and made himself nothing. He was born as a man and became like a servant. And when he was living as a man, he humbled himself and was fully obedient to God, even when that caused his death, death on a cross. So God raised him to the highest place. God made his name greater than every other name so that every knee will bow to the name of Jesus. Everyone in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And everyone will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and bring glory to God the Father. May God bless the reading of his holy word. Well, we want to welcome all of you watching online. We are so thankful that you're with us today. What you can't see is all the people that are gathered in this place today. And uh, they can't see you, but would you all give them a hello this morning? Clap your hands, put them together. Yeah. We're in our third week and each of coming back together. And each week, it, it, more and more people are coming, feeling safe. Um, a lot of restrictions get um, lifted next week. Praise the Lord. And uh, we're just looking to seeing more and more people back each week. Just want to remind you that we exist, First Church of the Nazarene Kokomo. We exist to encourage and equip uh, people, all of us, to become fully devoted uh, followers of Christ. We don't want anything less than that for your life. So when you come here, we're hoping that the word will challenge you. We're hoping that you'll feel the presence of the Lord here. And we're in a series right now that we begin um, that talks about the idea that we are more, uh, in Philippians, Paul talks about how there is more than just happiness in our lives. And so I'm actually... Um, let me see if I can get through these. I'm actually on the wrong, uh, there we go. I gotta get the right slide. Somebody say, praise the Lord. 
You know, uh, all of this technology that we've added, all of the different things as we've come back together, we're kind of learning together. And, uh, but we're doing it because we love all of you watching online. We love all of you that are in this place today and believe that God is gonna feed us richly because we're living in a day when we need this word that Paul gives to the church at Philippi on how to have more than just happiness because happiness can be gone in a moment. It's based a lot of times on emotions. Paul talks about how to have more than happiness because we're just living in a day when uh, there is so much evil that abounds, come on. Just so much evil that is there and we need to be reminded that his grace and his presence abounds even more. And so uh, the theme of Philippians is joy. And as we've talked about this, this book, Philippians, is written while Paul is in prison, which reminds us that your happiness is not based on your happenings. We talked last week about the fact that sometimes it appears that God steals our dreams. But when that happens, Paul teaches us that it is always because God has so much more for us, so much better of a dream for us than what we have. And again, um, this today, maybe more than any other, this is true. We've talked about this each week. This stuff that Paul teaches is so much easier to hear and understand than it is for us to do. It is the doing part. It's developing the habits that become difficult. All of what I will teach this morning, we will all say, oh yes, amen, I knew that. That's right, I, I agree with that. But so many of us are not living um, in a state of joy or happiness because we don't actually put into practice those things. In fact, many of you are not happy right now. There, there's somebody that clicked online this morning. You're not even sure you're, why you're watching. Something intrigues you and you are here with us in this place today. But the truth about your life is you are not happy. There, there's not a lot of joy in your life. Somebody may be here this morning and though you're glad to be back in church, the truth about your life is there's something missing. There's not a lot of happiness right there. there there's like internal conflict and there's external battles that are going on in your lives with others and it is robbing you of joy and it's robbing you of happiness. Many of us think that if we just had more if we just had more stuff, that would, that would make us happy, but it, it never does. I, I'm always amazed when Hollywood comes and teaches the church a lesson that we should have taught them. Actor Jim Carrey reveals this truth. Here's a guy who rose quickly to the, to the top, achieving everything that you could possibly um, experience all the thrills that this world had to offer, all of the possessions. Um, and yet they tell us that he suffers with, even today with deep depression and internal personal conflicts. And he has literally become a recluse hiding from people and hiding from the world. And here's what he said. I wish everybody could get wealthy and famous and do everything they have ever dreamed of doing so they could see that all of it never brings happiness. Many will spend their whole lives chasing 
this lie. And so today Paul begins to address this with us and he will show us that a pathway to real happiness begins with something that Paul will call humility. He, he calls on Christ's followers who are trying to be fully devoted to him to develop a life of humility, how, how humility brings us to a path of happiness. Because, you know, if you think about it, one of the greatest causes of unhappiness in our life is conflict, right? Because I'm telling you, you can have it all right at work, you can have it all right at the bank, but if it ain't right at home, it ain't happy, right? Come on. Or you can, you can have it all together. You can be doing well at school, but you got conflict with relationships. It just seems to take away the happiness. You, you can have the money and the fame and the success, but if you have conflict with others, your life will continually be unhappy. In fact, the proverb writer in chapter 13 said, pride always leads to arguments. Pride always leads to arguments. You know, often when I'm counseling people down through the years, um, not always, but a lot, often, it starts this way. They did this, and they did that, and they didn't do that, and they acted this way. It is a rare thing for someone to come in and sit across from me and say, Pastor, I just wanted you to know I'm an idiot. <laughs> I'm selfish. I'm, I'm, I'm angry all the time. I've messed up. This relationship problem, my fault. Why is that a rare thing? Pride. So today in Philippians Chapter two, these first 11 verses, Paul is gonna show us how humility takes away pride, the, the opposite of pride, humility, how humility will bring harmony into our relationships and how harmony will lead us to a place of happiness. And so Paul gives us these words in verse two, you will make my joy complete by having the same mind sharing the same love, being united in spirit and intent on one purpose. He's talking about relationships now that, that, that we bring him joy. We bring God joy when we have the same mind, we're unified, when we love people, when we somehow come where we are united together in our spirits and we have one purpose. Paul said that brings such joy. Imagine, come on, just do this. Imagine having a marriage like this. Oh yeah, that'd be great. Come on, stay with me. Why don't, why don't most marriages look like this? Come on, this is so simple, come on. It's because we know it, we don't do it. It's easy to understand that, oh yeah, if I, if I were had more joy, if I wanna have joy in the marriage, the relationship, and we, you know, if we're of the same mind, we're working together, we're, you know, I'm showing love to her, she's showing love to me, and we're kinda on the focus together of one purpose. Man, I can just, I know how that our marriage could be so great. Why aren't they then? It's because this issue of 
pride keeps us from that because we don't do the things that God's word tells us to do. We know them. Again, I'm not teaching anything that most of you in this place wouldn't know. But are we doing them? Are we developing the habits that create healthy, strong relationships? Because let me just tell you this. Well, I hate to, I hate to, some of you, this is gonna be a shock. Every relationship will have conflict. You didn't know that, did you? I have to, sometimes when I'm doing premarital counseling with a couple, they're gonna get married. Sometimes I have to break their hearts. And as they're looking to each, at each other, you know, all gushy, I have to say, listen, it won't always be like that. <laughs> and they have no, they're like, well, pastor, what are you talking about? It could, all, it could never be anything but this. And well, well, every relationship has conflict. Some of you, some of you, are having conflicts right now in your relationships. And because of that, there is this thing that has come into you and just sucked out the happiness. And if you have ever gotten tired of the conflicts and you've ever got tired of the fighting and you've ever got tired of the dissension, you picked a really good day to come to church today or to watch online because Paul is gonna teach us how to, now you're not gonna eliminate conflict, Conflict is good because conflict can make us grow. It can lead us to a place of growth. But Paul talks about how we can reduce unhealthy conflict in our lives. And so I just need to give you, before I jump into the message today, some of you thought I was already preaching. No, 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 this is just introduction. But let me give you three warnings. First warning I'm gonna give you is what I'm gonna teach to you today is 100% counter culture. It is opposed to everything you are taught in life, everything you learn from others, everything we're taught at school. Most people, most people aren't very good at relationships. Why? Because we don't follow through on what it is that we know that makes healthy relationships. Second thing is what I'm gonna teach you, it is not natural. So it will go against everything inside of you to do this. I don't know if you know this or not. Humbling yourself is not a very easy thing to do. Come on, what's the two hardest words we've ever spoken, <laughs> right? I'm sorry. It's like the heart. And some of you say it like this. Oh, I'm sorry, because you just can't get it out, right? It's like, it's a pride. It doesn't feel right. But Paul will teach us it is the right thing to do if you want to break down the walls and the barriers of conflict in your relationships. And here's the third one I will give you, that I know this week, many of you, if not all of you, will be tested in this. You'll, you'll have some conflict this week, and God will give you an opportunity to put into practice the habits that we're gonna talk about today. And again, these are not easy to do as much as they are easy to understand. And so what I wanna do is just jump right in. I'm gonna give you four habits today. We've been talking about these habits that lead or sustain happiness in our life. So let me give you the first one today. The first one is how to reduce conflict, which elevates happiness. The first one is never allow your pride to guide your life. You, you don't guide yourself by your pride. Why? Because 
Pride is the root of every other sin. Pride is usually the root of every struggle you go through. Every conflict has an element of pride attached to it. Well, what's the middle letter of the word pride? I. Well, what's the middle letter of the word crime? <laughs> Come on, I. What's the middle letter of the word sin? I. What's the middle letter of the word supercalifragilisticexpialidocious? <laughs> Never mind. Uh, it is I, but I just that doesn't really apply to the message today. We have we have an I problem. I. It causes so many struggles. So that's why he said, don't do anything. Paul said, don't do anything from a selfish ambition or vain conceit. Don't do anything. Do you know how, come on, like if we said, let's just take one verse this year and that's all we're gonna apply. You know how hard this verse would be to live out? Don't do anything in your life this week from selfish ambition or vain conceit. And so Paul talks about these two. He says, selfish ambition, where that's all about me, right? It's about me, me. It's my wants, my success, my ministry, my room, my song, my seat, my music, my, 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 my. Paul says, don't do anything in your life out of selfish ambition. Now, you can choose not to live that way. You can say, I'm gonna be selfish if I want to. Come on. And what Paul says is you can choose to do that, but what will happen is it will rob you of happiness and more conflict will come into your life. Wherever there's jealousy or selfish ambition, you will find confusion and every other kind of, of evil, selfish ambition. There are people, come on, listen to me. This is how powerful this is. There are people who have walked out of their marriages because it was standing in the way of their selfish ambition. What I want, what I'm dreaming of, what I desire, what I wanna get. And so James says, where that happens, there will be confusion in your life. There will be conflict in your life and every other kind of evil begins to creep into your life. And then Paul says, the other kind is vain conceit. Come on, we don't have anybody here or watching online right now that the thought in your mind almost always is, I'm right. I'm always, I'm always right. You're, you're wrong, I'm, I, I couldn't be mistaken. I am always right. Right, and, and, then there's, whoop, and then there's this verse that he gives us, don't do anything from a cheap desire to boast. Hey, those of you that are watching online right now, nobody in here would do this, so I'm just talking to you. Those of you that are watching online right now, and while I'm speaking, you're getting ready to post some stuff on Facebook, Here's your verse. Here's your verse. Don't do anything from a cheap desire to boast. You know, in Galatians chapter five, Paul goes on, and in that passage, he lists several effects 
of what happens when we live with pride and how it leads to relational sins. Our self-indulgent nature shows itself in conflict, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, causing divisions among people and the feeling that everyone is wrong except for you. Anybody know anybody like that? Don't turn your head right now. Just look, keep looking forward. Just watch online. Paul says, never allow your pride to direct and guide your life. And then the second habit is the flip side of that. He says, if you want to resolve and reduce conflict, you have to humble yourself. And that's an interesting verse, humble yourself. Um, you know, it's not something that God does or his spirit does. It's something we have to do. We have to put our posture in a place of humility. Humility is the foundation of every great relationship, humility. And so Paul said in verse three, don't do anything from selfish ambition or vacancy. Instead, be humble and give more honor to others than to yourself. Now, did I not tell you this goes against counterculture? I mean, this is so against what our world teaches us. In fact, it goes against even what we feel, just like the natural abilities, because we wanna elevate ourselves and we wanna give ourselves honor, right? Again, harder to do than it is to understand because our culture teaches, I've gotta do what's best for me. I've gotta lift myself up because no one else cares about me. I've gotta do what makes me happy. And Paul says, no, no, no. If you wanna be happy, if you wanna sustain happiness in your life and have joy, Paul says, be humble and give others more honor. Lift others up more than you lift up yourself. And by the way, Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Come on, stay with me. Humility is thinking of yourself less. Humility is not putting yourself down. Humility is lifting others up. Because great people, come on, great people make you feel great. I mean, there are some people, aren't there some people you just love to be around them because when you're around them, you just walk away, you're like, man, I don't know why, I feel really good right now. And then there are the other people, right? We're not talking about them today. James says in chapter four, verse six, God opposes the proud. Now, that means he is not working for, almost as if he's working against, pushing back from the proud, but he gives grace and grace and grace to the humble. What is grace? Grace is the ability to forgive somebody when I don't feel like forgiving them. Grace is the ability to resolve conflict with my husband or wife when I don't feel like resolving that situation because I'm mad and mad, Madness leads to pride in our life. Grace is the ability to compromise. Grace is the ability to give in. Grace is the ability to get along with other people. And listen, we all need grace. Let me give you the third habit. The third habit on how to reduce conflict is 
pay attention to other people. We, we pay attention to screens, right? Are we really good at this? Some of you are doing it right now, right? You're just like, you're just screening away here. We, we do that. Uh, if, if you wanna, I don't know if you're going to lunch today out somewhere, go to lunch and just look around the restaurant at how many people are in this and not eye to eye in relationship with the person they're sitting across from. Just watch that today. Vicki and I one time uh, a year or two ago were sitting at a restaurant and we watched a, I don't know if he was 14, 15 years of age, came in with his mom and dad. His mom and dad sat on this side of the table. He sat across from them and he put his phone, in fact, his phone I think was in his pocket and he was sitting there like this, like he was dying to have a conversation with his mom and dad. And the entire time he is sitting there, not one word was spoken and his mom and dad, each of them individually were doing this. And do you know what message it was given to that, given that boy? You're really not that important to us right now. And you could almost see the demeanor of his face drop and his heart hurting and aching until finally he just kind of went, pulled out his phone and then just stared at it as if that's the thing we're supposed to do. You, you, you do realize that social media is not socializing. You're connected. I see so many people that just becomes their, their life. So in verse four, Paul said, don't be interested only in your own life, but be interested in what concerns others too. Become interested in more than myself. Become interested more in others, not my posts, my wants, my desires. And again, this is not natural. The natural thing to do is for us to care about ourselves because by nature, I couldn't care less what you think, right? <laughs> I mean, by nature, by nature, I'm only interested in me. So let me give you an example. So what I'm gonna do is here, come on, everybody smile, I'm gonna take a picture. You ready? Everybody smiling? Oh, wait a minute. I gotta put the wide angle on. Here we go. Everybody looking, one, two. Oh, there we go. Now, here's my question. If I were to take that picture right now, we were to put it up on the big screen, just throw it up there and show you on the screen. Here's my question. Who's the first person you're gonna look for? Am I right? You'd be like, oh man, I should, my hair wasn't done just right. I should have wore black today because it's more slimming. <laughs> oh my, uh, that's human nature. You think about you more than you think about anybody else. Human nature. And God says, if you wanna be happy, if you wanna sustain happiness, one of the habits you have to develop is being interested in what concerns other people. I mean, that, this right here should have hit somebody square in the eye this morning because the reality about your life is you are far more interested in yourself than you are about other people. 
And that's what caused, Paul says, well, that's what causes quarrels. That's what causes dissension. And he goes through that list. Well, you didn't like those first three, so let's do the last one. Come on, somebody get ready to say amen because you're in church or watching in church online and you have to say amen to this one I'm gonna throw up there, all right? So like, as soon as I throw it up there, I wanna hear a big amen. You ready? You have to ask the question. You have to ask the question. Oh my goodness, did my bad. How is this happening like two weeks in a row? So like, uh, hey, go over to my computer and hit the forward arrow. Oh, you're not gonna do it, okay. Well then uh, we'll just, can you, can you guys do it on the screen? Oh, there it is, look on the big screen. How to reduce conflict. Ask often, what would, G come on, remember the word I told you we're gonna say? Ask often, what would Jesus do? Amen. Amen. So you remember, do any of you remember in the 90s, the little bracelets that we came out with, right? It was a great idea and it was WW, JD, and it was like, what would Jesus do? And so it was supposed to be every time you get into a situation, like you're ready to get into a heated discussion with somebody, and then like as you're raising your fist, oh, wait a minute, what would Jesus do? He wouldn't hit them, right? That was kind of the idea of it. Now look at this next verse. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. And I try often, I, as often as I can, I just, I just try to ask myself in what, any situation I'm in, what would Jesus do? Now, here's the question I opened up with. Is that new to anybody? No. It's easy for us to understand. We're supposed to have the same attitude and mind of Christ. It's easy to understand. It's harder for us to do and develop the habit of that. Paul shows us that acting um, like Jesus means a, a couple things. One is, watch this, it means I don't demand what I think I deserve. I don't, I don't demand that. that that's, that's Jesus, not demanding what I think I deserve. We, we feel we deserve in this life way more than we do, but that wasn't Jesus. Come on, say amen to this. If anybody deserved whatever he wanted, it was Jesus, right? I mean, if anybody deserved happiness or joy, I mean, it was Jesus. But he, scripture says in verse six and seven, though he was God, though he was, uh, back up, though he was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. He emptied himself of all he had. Come on, is this not so countercultural? I mean, you don't see people emptying themselves. No, they're demanding their rights. I have this right as a husband. I have this right as a wife. I have this right as a worker. I've got this right as a citizen. I've got this right as a church member, maybe. But scripture says the Christ-like thing to do is I don't demand things. I don't demand what I think I deserve. What would Jesus do? He emptied, he emptied himself. Look at this next one. I look for ways that I can serve. 
Jesus took on the very nature of a servant. Imagine this, God coming down in human form into this world and he took on the nature of a servant, becoming a human just like us. And here's what I wanna say to you in the midst of wherever you are today and in the midst of trying to sustain happiness in your life, if you wanna be like Jesus, you have to learn to serve. Where are you serving? How are you serving God and how are you serving others? Because this is counterculture. Our culture says, get other people to serve you, right? I mean, get like, just remember the disciples and Jesus washing their feet. You remember that story? And they're like walking into the room because there was supposed to be a servant there that would just wash their feet because, you know, they had dirty roads and that was just custom there. And they saw the basin of water, but nobody's getting down and washing their own feet. No, no, no. Somebody that's a servant, somebody lower than me gonna wash my feet, not knowing that Jesus had intentionally positioned the basin and no one beside it so that he could teach them a lesson on serving. Because God's value system is the more people you serve, the more honored you are in God's eyes. Mother Teresa is a great example. She gave her life helping beggars and small dying children in Calcutta and she would cradle those that no one would even touch in her arms until their dying breath. And God raised this servant up to a place of great influence and position around the entire world. Dan Cathy, who is the son of the founder of Chick-fil-A, now the CEO of Chick-fil-A, was opening a new store. And while they were there, though it wasn't opened yet, he went across the street to Taco Bell the CEO of Chick-fil-A went across the street to Taco Bell for lunch. And while they were there, he went into the restroom to wash his hands with one of his executive assistants. And while he was in there, he took a bunch of towels and he started wiping down all of the counters and the faucets. And someone was just amazed at that. And this executive assistant said, why are you doing that? He said, because as leaders, our goal is we have to teach our staff to always leave any place they go better than how they found it, whether it's our place or not. Woo, that'll preach, right? Does your life this week, wherever you go, you're gonna wash some people, you're gonna, you're gonna walk away from others and they're gonna go, man, I am better off because of them than I was before going the extra mile, who taught us, who taught us what he just uh, exampled? Jesus, somebody asked you to go one mile, go two. If somebody asked you, you know, for a piece of clothing, give them your cloak as well. Before we ever um, um, 
moved here. Well, let me lead into this principle. I want to tell you a story. Um, this next one is, I do what's right even when it is painful. How does, we're talking about how to sustain happiness. How do I keep happiness in my life? And Paul shows us what it means to look like Jesus. So if we're trying to develop fully devoted followers of Christ, whether you're here today watching online, if that's what we're trying to develop, what does that look like? And so Paul starts laying that out. I don't demand the things I think I deserve. I look for ways that I can serve other people, make their lives better. And then Paul says, and I do what's right, even when it's painful. Come on, listen to somebody today. This is your conviction. Paul said in verse eight, look at this verse. While living as a man, Jesus humbled himself even more by being fully obedient to God, even when it meant his death on a cross. He did the right thing, even though it was painful for him. Before we moved here, we were selling some things that we had. Um, do you have anything in your garage that you have that you thought you needed desperately and they sat in the garage and you found out you never used them? You know what I'm talking about? We had one of those sitting in our garage and so we sold this, we advertised it, and we, um, a lady called me up and she said, uh, hey, I can't get there to tomorrow, but I want that. And she said, you know, would you hold it for me? And I said, no, you, you got it. You, you, if you tell me you want it, you got it. She told me when she was coming the next day. Later that night, somebody else called up and I said, oh, it's already sold. And they said, I'll give you $100 more for it if you'll just sell it to me. I turned it down and I lost $100, but I kept my integrity. It was painful. <laughs> But it gets back to the very simplistic question, what would Jesus do? And then in verse nine, he goes on to say, because of this, God exalted him. Listen, because of what? Because of his ability to humble himself, serve others and experience pain at the sake of others. Because of that, God exalted Jesus to the highest honor and made his name greater than every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will one day bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and give glory to the Father. Ever, why, ever wonder why people use Jesus' name to swear? Come on, ever heard somebody like, Jesus Christ, right? I wanna respond, yep, he's my friend. Or they'll, they'll, they'll say, you know, God, or, and then they'll say something, but they'll, you know, Jesus, they'll say, and then they'll, they'll usually, a lot of times, swear. I mean, nobody uses your name to cuss, do they? <laughs> You know, like, I just never wait. I just, you know, like, Tim and brr, never do it. Why? Because we don't matter. 
Why do people use Jesus' name? Because <laughs> his name matters. There is no name higher in all of the universe. And Paul is teaching that one day in heaven, every person who has ever lived will be gathered around God. When time is no more and all of this earth is gone, all of us will be gathered in heaven. And it, Paul says there, there, every knee will bow before him and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One day atheists and agnostics will bow and confess that Jesus is Lord. And you may be watching today and you don't know him as Lord, but I'm telling you today, one day you will bow before him and you will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. When you say Jesus is Lord, come on, watch this, I'm, I'm almost done. It is a humbling statement because what you are saying is, you are not Lord, <laughs> I am not Lord. Jesus is Lord. He is Lord, he is in control, you are not in control. And the question I have for you this morning and you this morning is, this simple question, is Jesus Lord of your life? I mean, answer that one. So I wanna urge you to discover the power of this phrase. Jesus is Lord. When you're discouraged, just say Jesus is Lord. When you don't know what to do and you're tempted in sin, just stop and breathe the words Jesus is Lord, when you're worried and you're fearful about something that is about to happen, just pause and say, Jesus is Lord. When you're lonely, when it seems like nobody cares, Jesus is Lord. When you're grieving, when you've lost someone dear to you, and you're reminded of a place called heaven one day, you just breathe these words, Jesus is Lord. It may look like everything in your life is lost. <laughs> Be reminded he is still Lord. It, it, it may look like, you're, like everyone else in life is against you, but Jesus is still Lord. It may look like there is no hope for your marriage ever getting better, but <laughs> Jesus is Lord. It may look like you'll never, ever, ever get out of your financial mess and the debt that you're in and that you'll always be struggling because there's always a voice over here that's making you think that. And in those moments, you have to not only say, but you gotta believe with all that you are because I am here to tell you, especially in those moments, Jesus is Lord. And Paul says that's humility. You are not Lord, he is Lord. 
You are not in control. He is in control. Jesus is Lord. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? There are many of you that may wanna pray this morning, whether watching or here in this place, just with our heads bowed and eyes closed. There are some of you that the truth about your life is you are full of pride. Come on, is that true? And it's keeping you from happiness and God in his love for you is asking you today to humble yourself, humble yourself, to lay down your pride. And right now in this moment, just say, Jesus, you are Lord. There are some of you, the truth about your life is you are full of not pride, you're full of just sin. And though there is pleasure for a moment, happiness quickly fades and you are not happy this morning. And in your sin right now, like the thief on the cross, <laughs> you could simply say, Jesus, you are Lord. Some of you this morning need reconciliation in your life with some people. It's true. And God is speaking to you. He's speaking to you right now about this in your life. They, you, you need to forgive someone else. They hurt you, yes. They, they, they did you wrong, yes. They took advantage of you, yes. They were wrong, yes. And yet this morning, Jesus is asking you in order that you might sustain or regain happiness in your life is that you would humble yourself at the foot of a cross and forgive someone and simply say, Jesus is Lord. Now, usually on the first Sunday, if you're praying, you can look up here. Usually on the first Sunday of each month, we take communion together. For three months, we haven't been able to do that. It has been difficult. It's such a precious holy time. I am always humbled when I come and I hold the elements of a broken body for my sin and his blood. And I am reminded of how much he loves me. So this morning, I wanna I wanna take it on all of our behalf, if that's okay. We'll figure this thing out, we'll get it worked out, right? We'll, we'll, we'll get it, you give us some time, we're working through all that stuff. But I wanna receive communion today on behalf, on behalf of all of us because scripture reminds us that he was pierced for our transgressions, that he was crushed for our iniquities, that the punishment that we deserved was placed on him and by his wounds, we are healed. And so scripture says that on the night that he was betrayed, he broke the bread 
And he gave thanks and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Come on, we're gonna take it together. I'm taking it for you, but you can take it this morning. It's my body, his body broken for you in order that Jesus would be Lord. And when he had given thanks, he said, take and eat this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after supper, he took the cup and he gave thanks and he said, this is my blood which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sin. As oft as ye shall drink of this, give thanks. Father, we are humbled just being in your presence. But oftentimes the, the story about our lives is that pride can creep back in in areas of our life and it is so subtle. And so right now, Father, I pray for all of us I pray that we would be people who can truly humble ourselves. To realize that we are not Lord, but you are Lord. And because we are not Lord, that means we release things to you. We're gonna release our past, our sin, Right now, there's some in this place and what we would need to release from you is our fears to you right now. Some need to release some relationships so that they can begin to heal and humble ourselves and say, God, be Lord in our marriage. Be Lord in this relationship. Bring healing and hope and help. And we just wanna continue to worship you today, Father. For truly Jesus is Lord, and in his name we pray, amen.